Morning, church. All right, let's get started. It all began back in 1961 when um, President John F. Kennedy, in a speech to Congress, said, Before this decade is out, we're going to land a man on the moon and return him safely to the earth. Apollo 11 was the mission that accomplished and made that statement come true. There were two phrases that came from that mission. The first one was, the eagle has landed. So the eagle um, is, was the name of the lunar module and the name of our national bird. They landed in the Sea of Tranquility and they spent about 21 and a half hours on the lunar surface. The um, other phrase that was made popular by that was, one small step for man one giant leap for mankind, that was Neil Armstrong. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I, I love that phrase. There were many more steps on that mission, but that first step, that small step, that first step on the moon. We're in a series that we're calling... Um, Favorite Bible stories, what's your favorite Bible story? And today we're going to do pretty close to one of my favorites. We're going to save a couple for the last couple of sermons. But let's read in Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I think it's important that we understand the immediately. What happened before the immediately? So if you go back to the first of Matthew 14, you'll understand immediately, John the Baptist is killed. John the Baptist is murdered. This was the cousin of Jesus. This was family. This was close family. And even if he wasn't family, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. He got everybody ready for Jesus. And he was arrested because Herod didn't like his preaching. He got arrested because Herod thought his preaching got real personal. Because John the Baptist told him, you don't need to be living with that woman. It got real personal to the point that the daughter of this woman said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And that's exactly what happened if you read in Matthew 14. That's part of the immediately. So that's the news that Jesus gets earlier in Matthew 14. So what does He do? Jesus wants to get away. He just wants to be alone. You understand that. There's times that you just want to be alone, times you just want to get away. I don't want to be around people, I don't want to be around crowds, and Jesus just tried to, to get away to have some alone time, some father time, some prayer time. But the crowd would have nothing to do with it. So the crowd finds Jesus, and it says Jesus had compassion on them, and He fed them. He fed 5,000 men, could have been 10,000 with women, could have been 15,000 with women and children. And then we read immediately. That's the immediately. That's what's going on. Jesus is just trying to get away. 
Jesus just needs some time with his father. So immediately, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side so that he can go up on the mountainside to pray. That's what's going on. He just needs his alone time. But again, that doesn't last very long. If you read in Mark's gospel, it says, When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. Jesus saw the disciples. He's up on the mountain. They're out on the lake, and Jesus sees them straining at the oars. I love that phrase, straining at the oars. Maybe that describes you today. Maybe that describes your last week. Maybe that describes your last six months, year. Maybe you've been straining at the oars. You've been rowing and rowing and rowing and you're going nowhere. They had rowed three to three and a half miles and they're going nowhere. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe that's how you felt last week, last month. I'm just going nowhere. I'm spinning my wheels. I'm straining at the oars. And Jesus sees them. Jesus sees the disciples. He's up on the mountain and he sees the disciples. We sing a song, my Jesus knows when I am lonely. He knows each pain, he sees each tear. He understands each lonely heartache. He understands because he cares. My Jesus knows. So that's what's going on. We keep reading. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Jesus went out to them. He came right down off the mountain and when he hits the water, he just keeps walking right on the water like it was land. Wow. Wow. So, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified, understandably. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, I am. I love that, one of the I am statements. When Moses went before the Lord and said, who do I tell the people that, uh, that sent me? Tell them, I am sent you. This is one of the great I am statements. So, take courage, I am Don't be afraid. I love that. Now remember, it's in the middle of a storm. It's night. It's dark. And the last person they're probably looking for is Jesus. They're probably not looking for anyone out on the lake. And Jesus shows up. And they see Him walking on water. They're terrified. I mean, can you just imagine in the middle of a storm and it's dark and the lightning... And in the midst of the lightning, you're like, what, what was that? What, did y'all see that? What was that? They're terrified. And Jesus says to them, take courage. It is I. I am. Don't be afraid. And if you keep reading, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Because if it's not you, I don't want to come. If it's not you and if it's a ghost, I don't want to come. Lord, can you identify yourself? I need to know that it's you. Can you let me know that it's you? Because if it's not you, I don't want to come. And then it happens. Jesus said, come. It begins with one word. It begins with one step. The Bible doesn't tell us how all this played out. It just says, then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Peter takes that first step. Peter takes that step of faith. We keep reading. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let me give you several reasons why this is one of my favorite stories. I, I, I would love to preach on this for about six months. I just love this story. Reason number one, I love this story because it reminds me there will be storms in life. There will be storms in life. I tell you that because I encounter a lot of people and I encounter a lot of Christians who think, who've been told that when you become a Christ follower, there won't be any storms. Everything will be great. Everything will always work out. There will be no difficulties in life. And if you've been told that lie, I'm sorry. There will be storms of life. And Jesus comes to his disciples in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the lake, while they're straining at the oars when it looked bleak when they were at the end of the rope. Again, maybe that describes you today. Maybe you are sitting there thinking, yeah, I understand that completely. In the midst of a storm, in the midst of darkness straining at the oars, and maybe you're thinking, where is God in the midst of this storm? Where is God? And maybe you've even cried out before, Lord, I'm in the middle of a storm. Would you save me? This story reminds me that Jesus is always there. In the middle of the storm, in the storms of life, Jesus saw them. He's up on the side of the mountain. I don't know how far away it was, but if it's in the middle of the storm, there's difficulty in seeing, but Jesus sees them. Number two, I love this story because it reminds me that the safest place in the storm might not be in the boat. The safest place in a storm is always with Jesus. And if Jesus is not in the boat, that's not where you're supposed to be. A lot of people want to stay in the boat. I like the comfort of the boat. The boat's safety. The boat represents so much. Imagine if you were in the boat and you're terrified. Imagine your response when you see Peter starting to get out of the boat. Peter, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The safest place for you to be is right here with us in the boat. I don't know the size of the boat. It doesn't matter the size of the boat. Peter understood the safest place in a storm is heading towards Jesus. The safest place in life is heading towards Jesus. Number three. I love this story because of the way it ends. I didn't know whether to make this my last point on this sermon or not. But I love how this story ends. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I love these words. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. That gets my attention, that they worshipped him, because they were in a boat. They were in a boat. Think about that. They weren't in a church building. They weren't in any location that on the side of the boat it says, Church of Christ meets here. Nobody sent out a flyer. Nobody sent out a scroll saying we're going to worship after the storm from 3 to 6. Think about it. It's in the middle of a storm. Which is why I've always loved the song by Casting Crowns. I'll praise you in this storm and I'll lift my hands. 
For you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried you hold in your hand. You never left my side. I love that. The most inspiring worship that maybe ever happened was in a boat, not a building. Think about everything that has happened. Again, the last 24 hours, John the Baptist has been beheaded. Jesus is informed. Jesus withdraws. The crowd follows him. Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus. The disciples are in a storm. There's strong winds. The, the, it's, it's blowing. The waters grew rough. They rode for three and three and a half miles and they didn't get anywhere. And they're terrified from the storm. And then Jesus comes to them walking on the water and they're terrified again. They think they see a ghost. And so what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat. I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go see who this person is. I think it's Jesus. He said, come. And then he begins to sink. And he's going to die. And Jesus reaches down and grabs him. And then somehow Jesus gets him back to the boat. Somehow. Threw him over his shoulder. Arm in arm. Hand in hand. He may have thrown him back in the boat. I don't know. They get back in the boat and the wind dies down. And the waves die down. And the boat hits land. And they're safe. And it's calm. And they're rescued. And it's been quite a day to say the least. They faced the death of John the Baptist. They have faced death themselves. Peter has faced death himself. And Jesus gets back in the boat. And they realize we're in the presence of God. And the natural response when you're in the presence of God is to worship. I wrote this down. Worship is what we do in response to who God is and what He has done. But again, here's, what's fascinate, here's what fascinates me. What they do in the boat. What did that worship look like? Because they had no songbooks. They had no preacher outside of Jesus, what we call a preacher. They had no communion trays. They had no offering trays. They had no building. And they worshipped. Wow. They weren't worried about the order of worship, the length of worship, the temperature of worship, the projection, the screens, the color of carpet. Why couldn't we get these BBS things out later? What's Okay. Um, I, I love these, by the way. They weren't worried about what people are wearing, the time of worship, pews, chairs, the location of the communion tables. They had none of the things that we associate with worship except one. They had Jesus. And they worshipped Him. Wow. When Jesus climbed in the boat, they worshipped Him. That tells me you can worship Jesus anywhere. I, I hate the mentality that we feel like we go to worship and we go to the building to worship. We worship God all the time. You can worship God in a boat. You can worship God in a car. You can worship God walking your neighborhood. You can worship God anywhere. And I think that's exactly what we should do is look for ways to worship God anywhere and everywhere. They were in a boat. Number four. I love this story because it's about that one step. One step. This step you take, this getting out of the boat, this walking on water, is not about something great that you do. 
It's about something great that God wants to do through you. This is not about your abilities. It's about God enabling you. That's why we sing the song. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, not me, more than able, to make me what He wants me to be. This is what taking a step out of the boat means. It's putting myself in a position to enable God to do great things through me. It's not about me putting myself in a position for me to do great things. It's for God to do great things. Think about it. When Peter got out of the boat, he walked on water. Nobody had ever done that except Jesus. To the best of my knowledge, nobody has ever done that besides Jesus and Peter. I don't know if you noticed, but Peter cries out two times in this passage. He cried out in fear with the rest of the disciples thinking, It's a ghost. And then he cried out in fear, Lord, save me. I can relate to Peter crying out in fear. I can't relate to Peter getting out of the boat. It just doesn't make sense. But when Peter gets out of the boat, he walks on water. Question. Where's the Lord calling you to get out of the boat? In what area of your life are you one step away from a spiritual journey with Jesus? Where is the Lord calling this church to get out of the boat? In what area of our church is the Lord saying, y'all really need to get out of the boat? Where is God calling you to take that first step? So I have to add, since this is a favorite passage, there were 11 guys that stayed in the boat. 11 guys that said, I'm not getting out of the boat. 11 guys who said it's way more comfortable in this boat. 11 guys that said, don't rock the boat. Don't paint the boat. Don't mess with the boat. Can't we just stay in the boat and do it the way we've always done it? Can't we just stay in the boat? Nobody's ever gotten out of the boat before. I've heard my entire life, Richie, don't rock the boat. <laughs> I've certainly not followed that advice. <laughs> Richie, don't mess with the boat. We like the comfort of the boat. We don't want to change anything about the boat. Let's just keep doing what we've always done. Richie, just leave the boat alone, which is what Peter did. He left the boat alone by himself because 11 guys said, we're staying right where we are. Don't you know Peter would remember this day? Don't you know people would ask him, hey, can, can you tell us, tell us about getting out of the boat? Tell us about walking on water. Tell us about going to Jesus. I mean, how long did you walk on water? And when you started, that sinking feeling you had? How, how, how long before Jesus reached out and grabbed your hand? I mean, did He let you go under? Did He wait till you were six or eight feet under? I mean, did He let you drink a little bit of water to learn your lesson? I mean, Peter, can you tell us about your 
water-walking experience. Peter, tell us about the conversation back to the boat. I mean, did Jesus say anything? Did Jesus look down on you? Did Jesus say, why'd you get out of the boat? Can't you, you just know that Peter remembered that day. And it all begins with that first step. It all begins with that step of faith. Question, are you ready to take that step? Some of y'all been going to church your whole life. But maybe you haven't taken that step where you've said, I'm in. I'm all in. Jesus, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. You're one step away from confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God. You're one step away from baptism. You're one step away from, from receiving the Holy Spirit. Will you take that one step today? I mean, what's keeping you from taking that one step? You're like, the boat is so much more comfortable. That's why. And yet Jesus is saying to each one of us, come. Come closer to Him. Remember, we should always be heading in the direction of Jesus. You can live your life straining at the oars and struggling through life. Or you can live your life taking that one step, stepping out in faith and trusting Jesus. Isn't it time you got out of the boat and started heading towards Jesus? Let's pray.